Welcome to episode 51 of Wonder Space. It's great to have you on board. My name is Steve Cole and over the past year I have been asking the same six questions to amazing people from around the world. The questions orbit around wonder and stories of hopefulness and the setting for each journey is a shared window on the space station from where we see everything from a different perspective. Before we introduce our guest, our friends at Ask Nature are going to help us to re-wonder. In the depth of the ocean, animals can't rely on sunlight to grow food. But one bottom dweller has still found a way to garden. The yeti crab has shaggy bristles on its claws and it uses them as a scaffold on which to cultivate bacteria. The crab waves its claws through methane-rich water that seeps up from the seafloor. The bacteria grow using the methane in place of sunlight and the crab reaps its harvest by raking the bristles through its mouth, all in complete darkness. Our orbit this week will take us up the east coast of America and to experience these views with us in this ultimate window seat, we welcome Jazz Woodward. Jazz works with the NBA in New York and was nominated by our 12th guest, Ilonda Williams, who has played a key role in his remarkable story. Here is Londa on why she nominated Jazz. I nominated Jazz because when I think of awe and wonder and hopefulness, he embodies that. I have seen him come back from situations that life brought his way And I am in awe of who he is and how far he's come. He's an inspiration to me to teach people how to treat you and to um, always leave space for beauty to make its way back. Even whenever times are tough and even whenever the outcome is unclear, believe that better is on its way and speaking joy into existence is an inspirational wonder and I'm excited for everyone to hear it. With a panoramic view of Earth, I start by asking Jazz, if we could do a fly past on any part of the world that is significant to you, which place, city or country would it be and why? Hmm. So for me, uh, immediately when I read that, it was Ghana. And uh, Ghana being in Africa, um, I recently, maybe not too recent, about two years ago, I did a, a uh, DNA test and I learned that I had you know, family that was from Ghana. And that was significant to me because I grew up an orphan. And so I don't know my mother, you know, um, well, I don't know my father. And so I've, it's always just been me. And so I always kind of had this feeling of not belonging uh, when I was younger. And so to take that test and to know that there was ancestry in that space, it kind of created this wonderment of like, wow, I wonder what it's like there. I got a chance to go last year for New Year's. That was a treat to myself. And it was just incredible. Like I got off the plane and the gentleman said, welcome home, brother. And I was like, oh, my God, I don't know what to do. But um, definitely, uh, definitely Ghana. I went to Accra specifically. It was fantastic. Amazing. 
Jazz, give us a glimpse into your life story so far. So I guess to, to start from the beginning, uh, I, I, it's always just been me. I'm my only kid. Uh, so my, my father passed away when I was very young. Um, and my mother had some challenges being a mom. So around five years old, uh, she gave me up. And so most of my life, I grew up in group homes. Um, and during that time, uh, it was obviously very rough. I was kind of a, an angry kid, you know, for a long time because there were so many things about the world I didn't understand. Um, but what I, what I realized later, just from doing work on myself and learning more about myself, was that all of those experiences had really made me into the person I am now and kind of being a beacon of light for others um, because the feelings that I had about being so misunderstood and feeling like no one understood what it was like to be in my shoes, I realized that there were a lot of other people that felt that same thing. And so over time, I started to learn how to articulate my feelings and my thoughts in a way that I could make other people understand where I was coming from. And I realized that that was so valuable for others, being able to put words to feelings, because sometimes that's the, that's the hardest part is how do I say what I feel? How do I say you know, and articulate what I'm feeling in the inside? So when I was very, very young, um, the first, first, my first real friend was Alonda. I was in the fourth grade and uh, she really kind of like took me under her wing because I was pretty much a shy kid. Because again, there were so many things I didn't understand about the world around me. How come I didn't have parents like everybody else? How come I couldn't have sleepovers? How come I never did things that other kids did, you know? Um, because I was basically in institutionalized as a kid, you know? And so um, once I got out of high school, um, before I got out of high school, actually, I became an emancipated minor. So at 15 years old, I had basically wrote a petition to the state of Pennsylvania to ask them for my adulthood. And um, that was a huge move for me. And the reason why I had decided to do it is because I had inadvertently felt as though all the adults in my life had failed me. And so I didn't want to rely on them anymore. I felt like that I had seen enough and I'd experienced enough being on my own, living. I'd been homeless by that point, you know, at 15 years old. And so I felt like I could figure it out on my own. I had successfully opened up a savings account. And so I knew what it was like to manage my money. Um, that request was granted. And at 16 years old, I got my first apartment. And it was friends like Alonda that really helped me, you know, going to the thrift shop with me and, you know, getting things for my apartment. Um, for a number of months, I slept on a pile of clothing in the middle of my floor um, because I didn't have furniture. And I used to put them in the dryer and put them on the floor. And that's how I went to sleep, you know. So all those things were really character building for me. So it taught me resilience. Um, but it also taught me not to give up on myself because even though sometimes times would be really hard, I always was able to use just my life as a measuring rod to recognize where I had come from compared to where I was. And that's what kept me motivated, even when it didn't look so great, you know. Um, and then after that, I actually decided that, funny enough, I wanted to be a Chippendales dancer. And so I was going to move to Las Vegas to work for the Chippendales. I had this whole goal. I watched the e-television special, seen they made all this money per week. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I was 19 years old. I'm going to Vegas to be a Chippendale. So uh, needless to say, I got to Vegas. That's not what I ended up doing. I ended up working for a hotel. <laughs> uh, and uh, I did that part-time while I was enrolled at UNLV. Uh, and it became a little overwhelming to go to school and to work because I was on my own. And so I uh, ended up stopping going to UNLV and continued working at a hotel. And that's where my world kind of changed because working as a hotel clerk, which was never my desire... Um, I ended up meeting a lot of people who were drawn to my personality. You know, you're very approachable, you're very outgoing, you're very friendly. And I was like, me? Really? Okay, well, all right, cool. And it got me tips. 
And I was like, well, if this is the way to go, then uh, this is where I'm going to stick with. And so uh, that led to so many blessings. I ended up fast forward, you know, working in a lot of luxury hotels within the Las Vegas sphere, namely the Venetian Hotel, the Bellagio Hotel, the Wynn Hotel, um, as a head concierge. And that won me a lot of awards uh, within that concierge space, you know, um, just... Uh, guests who would meet me and that would take the time to write in their remarks about their experience with me. And so that really showed me that my personality was a gift to me. And so, because I think a lot of times we spend our life trying to figure out what's our passion, what's our gift, what's our thing, you know, that we bring into the world. And for me, I, I recognized very quickly it was my ability to build quick rapport and my personality. And so being a concierge actually got me the opportunity to move to Austin, Texas. I opened up a brand new hotel in Austin a couple of years ago called the Fairmont. And so that gave me a chance to build a team from the ground up. So each of these stages taught me something about myself. And it was usually something I thought I couldn't do, right? It was like, you could never jazz. And then it would happen. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe I can do this. And so, uh, of course, that that really built me up in the confidence area. Um, but then after working in Austin for a while, I really was feeling unfulfilled with hospitality because I wanted to really make an impact on the world in a way. And that, that always sounded so big. It was like, what does that mean? You know, what will you do to impact the world? And so... I wanted to get to a place that was a world-class city where I could meet different types of people from all over the world, much like it was in Las Vegas. And so that's when New York got on my radar. And, um, you know, kind of directly to this opportunity, I literally wanted to move to New York so badly that I printed out resumes and I put a suit in a suitcase and I went to New York on my own dime and I walked the streets of New York going into hotels looking for a job. I wanted to do something that was unconventional outside of putting in just an online application. I said, well, it's okay. I'll go in and I'll show my face. And if they can meet me and feel my energy, maybe that will give me a leg up. And one, you know, some places were like, listen, sir, this is not how we do this here. You got We got a URL. Do you follow the rules, right? Um, but Ritz-Carlton was one that really received that approach very well. And they were very surprised. You came from Texas to give us a resume? Um, and that's how I got the opportunity to work at the Ritz here in New York. I was working at the Central Park location. Um, and then as time had gone on, I worked at the Ritz. It was a couple of months. I was loving it. And they laid me off. And when they laid me off, I felt like my world was crumbling around me. I moved to New York City. I had driven a U-Haul from Texas all the way to New York. Now I'm here and you guys say that, you know, it's last in, first out, right? When you're trying to save money. So I, uh, I ended up trying to figure out what I was going to do. I was without a job for a while. I was sleeping on friends' couches. And I got, this, I got a call from a recruiter, which was from WeWork. And WeWork reached out to me. And the, the huge thing they were looking for in a leader was someone who was relatable, who understood struggle, who understood ambiguity, uh, and could step into those spaces and really try to make it their own and still create a positive morale even in the midst of not having structure. And I'm like, isn't it interesting how the universe will set you up, right? You know, long, long time ago. I'm like, ambiguity, lay it on me. No one had identified it was going to be the NBA. And so I went through about seven interviews, three of which I did not know it was the NBA yet. And on that third interview, that's when they revealed that it was a sports and entertainment company and it was the NBA. And, you know, this had never been an aspiration of mine to work for the sports league, um, but it has given me a platform that will forever change my life. Um, just because of the people that I interact with and where we are, you know, being in New York, working for this brand. So that's a, that's a little bit more expanded version as to my story. Where on earth is your place of reset or recharge? My place of reset 
is nature, anything in nature. Um, here in New York, it's been Central Park. I love Central Park. Um, so I definitely would say my place of reset nowadays is, is definitely been Central Park. I always find a nice little spot. I ride my bike a lot, so I find a nice little spot that's a little away from all the people. I find a tree, usually a book, you know what I mean? I usually get a coffee and just, just take it in because uh, I think that sometimes we don't take the time to just be grateful. Um, so I've been really working as I've gotten older to just be more mindful, you know, much about what we talked about, you know, just being more mindful and just, just expressing gratitude for the little things. And so uh, Central Park helps me to find that space mentally. What wonder of the natural world excites you the most? So I just came back from Peru and I got to tell you, Machu Picchu kind of blew my mind. Now, before that, it had been the Grand Canyon, because I mentioned I lived in Vegas for a number of years as a concierge. So I had been to the Grand Canyon a number of times over, um, and I was so intrigued by it. But I, I got to say, I think the Grand Canyon might have been trumped by Machu Picchu. I mean, just the intricacy, uh, just how, how sophisticated they were, a seemingly primitive people, right? Like, not at all. Not at all. So uh, I would say it's Machu Picchu. You know, uh, Cusco, Peru blew my mind. It, it was an amazing experience. So definitely Machu Picchu right now. Jazz, what is your story of hopefulness that's not your own about a person, business or nonprofit who are doing amazing things for the world? My story of hopefulness that's not my own. My grandmother, who is she's an adopted grandmother. Uh, she spent a lot of her years in a relationship with an addict. And so she felt as though much of her years were taken from her. And when he passed away, I, I, I experienced her going through like a really deep depression and just kind of feeling sad about things. And over the last year, she has really found this renewed strength in wanting to create, you know, a new organization. She's actually wanting to start a, a nonprofit that's called a Helping Hand organization. And it's for people who are in her age group that have experienced loss and that are trying to start over and trying to find their sense of purpose in life. And just to see how dedicated she's been to the graphics, you know, every time she calls me and she's like, I want to show you this picture that I drew and I want you to tell me what you think. Um, it has been so inspiring to me to not give up because many times people feel like, you know, time's not on their side. Once you get to a certain age, what's the point of trying? And to see her renewed commitment to this new chapter of her life has been so inspiring to me. Um, it just... It, every, it, it motivates me to continue forward within my own journey, because if I can watch her at 70 years old, you know, believe in herself and push towards that dream, it definitely inspires wonder within me, for sure. Finally, as we prepare to re-enter, what insight, wisdom or question would you like to share with us? I think that one of the, the most resonating things that has been a common thread in my life is don't always believe what you see. And I, and I say that to say, you know, circumstances can make you believe that sometimes you're smaller than what you are, that you have less of an impact on the world than what you do. And so I think it's very important to remember that there's something special about you. There's something unique about you that makes you phenomenal and and amazing within the world that we have. And we're all unique. We all have something that we have to bring. And so never feel small, you know, always you know, challenge yourself to reach bigger and to, to think bigger, to whatever your wildest, most crazy thoughts are, you know, just aim for that because 
it, you truly never know the life that you can touch. I mean, a friend of mine who I've known for all these years nominated me for something I'd never heard of. And to know that I had the impact on her that I've had. You know what I mean? Like, you just never know the impact you're having on other people. So that's a piece of wisdom I would say. Don't give up on yourself. Always bet on yourself. Always dream the craziest, wildest, most ridiculous dream that you can uh, because you just might get it, you know? So that's definitely what I would share. I am sure you would agree that jazz is a story of wonder and hopefulness and is the rocket fuel the world needs right now. To engage with the previous 50 Wonder Space episodes, go to our website, ourwonder.space. I want to thank Jazz for joining us on Wonder Space this week and for his willingness to share his story in such an honest and compelling way. And I hope you can join us next week for more wonders and stories of hopefulness. <laughs>